This, this is University Radio Bath. They think it's all over. It is Hello and welcome to another episode of They Think It's All Over. We've uh, been away for a couple of weeks now and lots of football has gone on uh, while we've been, while you've been missing us. Uh, we've had some Champions League matches, Premier League, and we're about to go into another international break as well. So plenty to discuss on today's podcast. I'd like to introduce uh, the usual lineup of Matthew Dawes. Are you all right, mate? I am good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Scott Hirons here as well. Oi, oi. How are you doing, Scott? Yeah, not bad, not bad. And also David Morgan. All right, mate. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How, how are you boys doing? Working okay? Enjoying the uh, the second lockdown? I mean, it doesn't. It's not much of a lockdown, really. I'm just like, I've still worked from home as I was before. I just can't see my friends now. So, but other yeah, than that, nothing's old. changed. Everywhere's still open. Same old. Same old grim in uh, Wales, but we, we're all out of it now. Not bad for us boys, eh? I was going to say, I was on the golf course today, mate. It was class. <laughs> Classic doors. <laughs> Classic doorsy on the golf course. Well, anyway, on to the show, because there's a lot happened over the last few weeks. I think we've seen the sort of end of the manic period of the Premier League, but the uh, table's still looking pretty interesting. Obviously, Leicester sitting top at the moment on 18 points, followed by Spurs and Liverpool on 17. And then Southampton on 16, make up the, the top four. And then you've still got the likes of Chelsea, Aston Villa, Everton, all having good seasons. Um, obviously, we're missing a few names there, specifically the, uh, the the teams of the fans of this podcast, uh, Man City, <laughs> Man United and Arsenal. And they're all seen. What, what's going on, lads? Where are Swans as well? Well, Swans are in the mate. They're doing very well, but... Keep up, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been, it's been, you know, I think... I was, you know, obviously I spoke openly on this podcast that we'd have a grim season and it's basically coming to fruition. I mean, you know, we're, we're up and down one week, we're world class. Next week, we're, you know, a bunch of schoolgirls. So but I, think, I think the thing that worries me is, is obviously Man City. I mean, they've won a few games, but the overall quality of football has been so poor, you know. Um, with Van Dijk being injured, you thought they could really kick on and go for the title again. But I think even Roy Keane said, I think, they're out of the title race already for me. Too early yeah, to say that. Yeah, too early to say Even... that, but they've definitely been underwhelming thus far. Definitely underwhelming, but um, it's not even a quarter through the season yet. And we are, if we win our game in hand, only three points off the top. So I, I think there's still lots to play for. I think we can only get better in our defence. It was actually quite good for once. So uh, it should only get better offensively, hopefully. And uh, how about Arsenal, Rod? Obviously. 11th place, probably not where you want to be right now. Definitely not. It's been a frustrating season, to say the least. We've we got a great result against Man United, and then we've subsequently... Uh, we could have, you know, we could be, you know, right, right up there, but then we've lost to Aston Villa and Leicester, and both those games we deserve to lose. So it's not like results have gone against us. We've played poorly. Yeah. But, yeah, I think we're suffering from a absolute drought of creativity at the moment we I think we're something like we're in like the sort of bottom few ranks in the leagues in terms of like chances created and expected goals um like Abemiang, he just the man's got, getting no service like he's just sitting it's really there. funny it, it's really funny Rod because you've actually got a world-class centre attacking mid sat at home playing Fortnite. I, I mean, to really, that, like. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's on three hundred grand a week. But obviously, Arteta didn't name in, name him in his squad. So, I mean, I guess he can't play. But it must be so frustrating knowing that. Yes, he's had you know a bit, bit of bad form over the last few years, but he's still for me your best passer. Yeah, and surely he's a most creative player, and he's sat at home playing Fortnite every day. Like it must be frustrating. I I just feel like there's got to be something massive. That that's not in the media because logically you know if you look at the players that are in the squads and there's got to be some massive reason that he's not in there and I just feel like there's we're not getting the full picture as normal with, with yeah. the media there's got to be more at play because there's lots of players who have been given second chances in the squad like Onani this season everyone thought he'd return from his loan and then he'd, go, he'd immediately be sold 
but then he's obviously impressed in training and made it back into the squad and is now starting games for us. But I I just can't see why Ozil can't seem to do that. And they're definitely... The lack of transparency is the annoying thing, I suppose, for you. Because you, like, like you said, you don't know why he's not playing. He, he should be playing. Probably one of the best players. And I suppose the media always don't find out enough about these players or what they're like in trainings to see if they are actually they should be training and should be like playing in the Premier League so it is an issue it's interesting on Dozel because I feel like the last transfer window just closed but but already creeping up on on January mm. and um, I saw something the other day saying that he's been liking tweets asking to free himself as if he's some sort of prisoner held down by Arsenal do you think he's going to be one of the first at the door in in January Rod I think he might be. I think the prob- the problem is he he has stated that he wants to remain in London, and he he's not really willing to budge on his wages. So he's he's sort of liking tweets saying free himself, when the only shackles are the ones he puts on himself with regard to location and wage. So if he'd been willing to move to a different club and accept a pay cuts, then he would have hundred percent got his summer move that I think the club wanted him to have and he would be playing football but unless he's is willing he, to is he out, out of contract this year Rod or yeah at the end of this really at the end of this year so I think oh wow okay. yeah I think uh, there, there was talk at one stage of just paying him off um, like he agrees to a reduced sum of money than his wages but then he's a free agent so can sign for yeah, someone else yeah but I don't Interesting, know really, what's happened with that I guess that's a possibility but you're right it's, it comes down to that sort of wage demands for himself at any other club and what club is going to be willing to pay that? I can't really see many clubs in the Premier League who need a player of his kind of stature and and price tag. I guess he's got to really look abroad, perhaps France, Germany, where, where they need where they might need a, a player like Ozil. This is the thing. He's also, as I said, he's committed to London. He's got several business ventures set up there. Like I think he's got a restaurant with... Um, yeah, and so he, he wants to stay within London and really, you know, Chelsea's not going to sign him, Fulham's not going to sign him, Crystal Palace isn't going to sign him, you know, Tottenham, he he said he has said he won't he won't ever play for Tottenham, but so... <laughs> He's got, he's got West Ham, yeah, Millwall, Leighton Orient. He would do an absolute job for Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just wish that there was more transparency with it because as fans we're sitting there going why is he not playing you know yeah no one yeah. no one we're just lacking that edge of someone that can do a sort of defense splitting pass to create chances because against Villa and even against United we didn't really have many chances like mm. And I think another big problem for Arsenal seems to be defensively. We, we've spoken a lot on this programme about the defences of Liverpool, Man City, Man United, which have got sort of glaring errors in them over the last six months. But Arsenal, we've not given a lot of chat to. But I think to lose 3-0 against Aston Villa is pretty disappointing. Obviously, it was 1-0 for quite a long period of the game, but two late goals conceded. But I feel like 3-0 is a bit of an embarrassing scoreline. What, what do you think, Rod? Is there some serious defensive frailties that need to be looked at? I don't think there's defensive frailties because before the Aston Villa game, we had the best defence in the league. According to the stats, we conceded, we conceded the fewest goals in the league at that point. So defensively, we have improved massively since last season. The problem was it's... I think we're struggling to find that balance at the moment um, with regard to allowing, keeping the defence solid whilst still being able to create going forward. And against United, we really seem to find a good balance using Partey there. But unfortunately, he went off at half-time against Aston Villa and he was playing such a crucial role in that sort of that second line of defence, protecting the centre-backs a bit from start, from from in a way, stopping players from being able to get runs at them from midfield because he'd break it up. Mm. And without yeah. him, and ultimately later on in the game, you know, you're throwing men forward, you're chasing the win when you're 1-0 down. And we got stung by two goals there. So I, I don't think we're in a defensive crisis. I think it's just a real lack of balance within the squad that we're sacrificing. It's interesting, you, interesting you talk about balance because that seems to ring a, 
a bell to me about you talking about a lack of balance about 12 months ago, in fact, with, uh, with Emery at the helm. I'm, I distinctly remember you saying that he got the balance all wrong. And, you know, it does beg the question then, if, if the balance remains, you know, it isn't addressed by Arteta over the next few weeks, then is Arteta's days numbered? No, I don't think so. I think the club's sort of quite very committed. Club and fans are very committed to him long term. Um, you know, looking as, especially back at the Aston Villa game, you could see that players let him down. Willian had two brilliant chances that he embarrassingly missed, really, for a player on his kind of wages and with his level of experience. He, you could see he was frustrated by missing those chances as well. You know, um, so I think we do need to improve that side of things because play, teams are setting up to nullify Aubameyang and it's working mm. at the moment because... Too one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah and because he's our main creative outlet down that left side. We've got Saka, Tierney going down there. That's where all of our focus is and our sort of right-sided attackers and central ones in terms of Lacazette and Coutinho, Willian and Pepe, they're just not they're just failing to be clinical enough at the moment. Yeah, not firing. Well, moving away from Arsenal, I guess another manager who's been uh, there's been some doubts around his future over the last few weeks, although less a bit uh, less chatter o- over that uh, sort of area now is uh, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Man United. Doors obviously had that very disappointing result in the uh, in Europe against mm. Istanbul. Basak Shahir, is it? I, I, I pronounce yeah. it rightly. Um, <laughs> But then uh, coming back at the weekend with, with, with a decent result. Yeah, it's, it's the usual. As soon as Oli seems to be in, under some pressure, he pulls out results like that. Um, obviously, the Champions League game had some of the worst defending I've ever seen in my life. And I mean, I've been coaching under eights, under nines. I didn't see defending that bad. <laughs> to concede the goal for Denver Bar the way we did, where we had no defenders from a corner, I just don't understand why we're committing literally 10 men all in the box waiting for a corner one long ball Demo bars one on one with a keeper it was just I couldn't believe what I was watching I, 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 I can't understand it in like you know the, the 90th minute when you, you yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. equalise that but what was it like in the 15th minute was no, 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 15 minutes in away from home in a Champions League game and we're piling men forward like that I couldn't believe what I was watching and why is the last man Matic who is one of your slowest players exactly he's, <laughs> and he's, and he's six foot four he should be in the box with you know going for the headers why isn't Wamba Saka you know who's like five foot eight one of the best one on one defenders in the world and yet he's in the box waiting for a call. I don't know. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching that day. But obviously the Everton result, we went one nil down, and I thought, oh god, this looks this looks grim for Ollie. I think he's in a bit of trouble here. But moments of magic from Bruno Fernandez. How many times has he produced the goods for us? He was unbelievable in that game. Two goals, and then set up a goal for Cavani as well, which is good to see him get off the mark. Who's uh, Bruno Fernandez? Oh, sorry, Bruno Fernandes. Um, <laughs> you know, I, for, for me, he's just world-class. I mean, his record, I think he's he's played 10 Premier League away games. He's scored 10 goals and got five assists. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You know, you'd struggle to find that sort of return for a player who's just come into the Premier League. I think... I the, think sorry, I was going to say, the num- even the numbers aside for that Everton game, I just loved how... Um, tenacious and how much fire he had um, when he was playing. He seemed to be getting into challenges all over the place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, got really stuck in. I think it was probably one of the players fighting for the manager. He just didn't seem to stop all game. And- you could see it. And I, mean, and I think his post-match interview as well sort of said, you know, we need to call on and show ourselves, you know, show that we care about the club, care about the manager and let's go for it. And I think having that, uh, for me, he should be the captain now, you know, in the, in the club. I was literally just about to ask you that. I'd I'd love to see him as a captain. You know, every every time he speaks, he speaks very well. He's a leader on the pitch. As you say, Hyron, his his work rate is unbelievable. For an attacking midfielder, he runs around for 90 minutes defensively. I think he's phenomenal. And then obviously right at the end, on a hat-trick, but thinks, let's give the new signing his first goal. Well-taken finish for Cavani. And we got a great result away, away at Goodison Park, which is obviously a very tough place to go these days. Yes, yeah, it's, it's looking up for you, I've got to say. But looking ahead to your next few matches, I mean, you got you got West Brom home mm. next in the league, which is where well, should be a banker. But then again, it is United. <laughs> who, who knows? That's um, exactly him lose. <laughs> but then you go. I think is it away away to Southampton, who are high flying, 
and then yeah. play to West Ham, which is always a difficult trip. And then you've got the Manchester Derby straight after that. So I I can't see a lot of points coming out of that. You know, you're talking three points against West Brom, but then I can't see you get many from the next three. I think for me, what you've got to remember is in the big games, away from home in particular, Oli seems to just, I don't know what it is. He, he has some magic. You know, we went to the Etihad last year and outclassed Pep Guardiola, completely outclassed him. He's been a Stamford Bridge three times last season, won all three games. Away from home in the big games, like, he just seems to know, I don't know what it is. Obviously, he went to Paris a few weeks ago and, and won against PSG. I think at this point, I, I, I'm more nervous for the home games, especially against the likes of West Brom. And all, as, as Hiram says, I think it's a potential banana, banana peel. You know, you, it's the classic thing that we'd, We'd bottle it there and then go to in the derby and win at the Etihad or something stupid in our way life. Yeah, I saw yeah, I saw a stat that said that this is currently Man United's worst ever home home run, but it's also their best away run ever. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's crazy, and I mean, and the stats were that if we'd have lost against Everton, it'd been our worst ever Premier League start, but because we won, it's better than what we did last season. So. It just shows how all over the place our results are these days. But... I feel that happens every year. There's always talk about United's worst in our Premier League start. <laughs> exactly. At least, I mean, when you got Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously he sets the bar very high. But, yeah. you know, since then it's sort of gone downhill. But at, at the end of the day, if you look at it, we're eight points off the top with a game in hand. I know we're not going to go for the title or anything stupid. I mean, I think we struggle for top four. But if we just get a few results... Hopefully some other teams sort of slip up. I think, you know, who knows what's going to happen this season. I mean, you did but, it last year, didn't you? A little late dash into the top four. You know, if you'd have said to me in February that we were getting top four, I'd have laughed in your face, you know? And yeah, look what happened. We finished third somehow, so. Yeah. Well, looking uh, further up the table, obviously a lot of people expected uh, Liverpool and Man City to be fighting out again for the top two spots. Perhaps Chelsea offering a bit more of a challenge this year with some big signings. I don't think many people thought Spurs would be immediately challenging for the title, uh, but they're sitting there one point off the top, uh, and Jose Mourinho is working wonders, isn't he? He's he's a master class. He's a master, mate. He's a master of football. I think he got backed in the summer by Levy, and I think they're reaping the rewards. That front three is unbelievable. He's getting the best out of Kane, and I think they're getting these late winners now, which I've always said is a sign of champions. You know, what Liverpool did last season, the amount of games they won by the odd goal where they'd nick a winner. We did it for years under Fergie. It just, it's that mentality that he's developing within the players. Obviously, we know Spurs of the last 20 years or so, they, you think, oh, they're going to do it this year and then they bottle it at the last moment. You know, as Chiellini said, it's, it's the history of Tottenham, you know. But Mourinho, <laughs> I think, has come in and just set that bar now where it's, I mean, we even saw the documentary said, you've got to go out there and not be nice guys anymore. Let's, care about winning you know, before any nonsense and I think you can see it in the players they're all, all fighting for the shirt and I think as I said a few weeks ago they, they could achieve something really special this season with Mourinho and George Obviously yeah, Spurs in the Europa League as well and they uh, went and got a win at Ludogorets at the night which is obviously a very tough place to go um, but looking back at the, the Premier League I think we all, all thought as I mentioned Man City would be up there challenging but they're sitting down in 10th Scott and I feel like it's a bit disappointing so far from Man City, not really firing on all cylinders, waiting for something to happen. Pep, perhaps, you know, made some interesting team choices. We spoke a little bit earlier, actually, about Phil Foden not really getting a look in when they need a bit of um, creativity in the midfield. Yeah, it's frustrating because you think he gets uh, the breakthrough uh, that he deserves after, I think he was admitted after the last international break. Um, but it didn't. It didn't bother Pep. He, he still played him, and he was the best performer in our team. Um, and then for some reason, it just dropped out, and then comes back in. But that's a few of other forwards as well. Like so Torres comes in every once in a while. Mares always gets the mention, and Sterling always seems to start. And I think I don't understand why players out of form like Mares and Sterling have tended to start more. It, it's it is frustrating because. If you spice things up and actually give the important players a chance, that's where the goal is going to come from. And it's not the defence we're suffering from. It is the goal scoring. It's interesting you mentioned Sterling, actually, because something I uh, put in, in the group chat over the weekend, I, I asked a question, do you think he's 
peak? Has he reached the peak of his career? Because it seems to me like Sterling has, you know, been Sterling for the last three, four years now, where he's got great creativity, great pace, can, can beat players, but no final product. And we've we've seen this. Obviously, he got a few goals last season, and, and he's on the assist charts, but he always seems to bottle it when it comes to goal scoring. Yeah, it's not it's not no final product because his goal scoring record would say otherwise. It's it's, in, it's inconsistency. That's the plain and simple of it. He just doesn't score annoyingly when you do need him to score. Um, he has scored important goals during Man City, but uh, recently it, it's kind of dried up a little bit. But I don't think he's at the peak of his uh, career. I think he's still 25. He should still have the peak of his career ahead of him in the next three, four years. Um, I feel, I feel like the difference is, like the for me, the difference is the manager. Because you look at managers like Jurgen Klopp and what he's got out of his Liverpool players, that players perhaps he thought had peaked, but he's taken them to a new level. Look what Mourinho is doing at Spurs, taking Kane and Son to possibly the two best players in the league. But Pep, I don't feel like he's been able to do that with a lot of the City squad. He's, he's brought in really good players. We know they're good players. They've won leagues before, but I don't feel like he's been able to take... Obviously, as a team, they've, they've won they've won leagues. They've got the points record under Pep, but the individual players, I don't think he's been able to take to the next level. What, what, what do you say to that, Hiron? Um, I, I disagree to that in some respect. I think he has made Sterling a better player. Uh, Sane, Kevin De Bruyne. Well, I can't uh, say Sterling's changed in the last five years, mate. What, how is he better? Well, I think his positional awareness and the amount of goals that he scores is simply so much higher than when he was at Liverpool and before that. Given yeah, that he was young as well. Natural progression as being part of the Man City team, which is one of the best teams of our generation. But I can't see Sterling as a player himself developing his talent under Pep. I, I I think he hasn't, in my opinion. I think he is a more intelligent footballer. I think you you can only train so much, and I suppose natural instinct isn't always something that you can do. But I think looking at his overall game, maybe not so much this season, but certainly in our title-winning seasons, he's one of the best players in the world, easily. He's dropped that form, unfortunately, but um, he's massively improved under Pep, and I don't think there'd be many other managers that would have got the best out of him. What do you say, Dawes, to Sterling, yeah. best player in the world? <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing, but that's actually a few a years really... ago, it definitely. It's a it's a very yeah. it's a very good point you make actually made. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the three players you named there, Hiron, Sterling, Sane, and De Bruyne, were all fifty, sixty million pound players coming in, already very good players. Yes, he's made them better, obviously, but I wouldn't say there's that a bigger leap as other managers could have come in and look what Mourinho as you say Mourinho is doing at Spurs right now for me Kane his passing ability now is just ridiculous I don't understand where it's come from are they, um, are they... And, and this one is just so much better you know I as a, as a group I think City obviously are a really top top side but yeah, I don't think he's improved individuals as much as he gets credit for because everyone talks about oh he's this genius I, I I just don't I don't see it really I really don't see it that much I don't know I don't know does he improve players or does he just put them in a better squad that's the key question for example Sterling most of his goals are down to the brilliant creativity Kevin of the Man City midfield led by Kevin De Bruyne and when De Bruyne has an off game Sterling you know he's not yes he makes good runs but he hasn't. He hasn't got that sort of ability to cre- to truly create his own chances. Obviously, he has scored goals without a good assist occasionally, but vast majority of his goals are tap-ins created by a brilliant De Bruyne pass. So is it a case of Pep's very good at assembling a great squad of £50 million plus players and then just making them work together? But I don't think he has that ability to take a sort of £20 million player and then two seasons later, everyone's going, yeah. wow, there are £75 million winging now. You know, we can get massive money yeah. for them if we sell them, thanks to Pep. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what Klopp's done at Liverpool. He signed Mane for £40 million. If you sell him today, he's £120 million. You know, he signed Salah for £38 million. These days, he'd be going for £60, £70 million. Whereas I, I can't see that happening with, with Pep, you know. I, 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 I do disagree with that. I, I think Sterling's gone up in value. Jesus, Sane, if he wasn't injured and wasn't on his final year of his contract, would it be more? We did get profit for him anyway. 
Phil Foden probably worth and at least sixty million in my opinion, maybe more. Yeah, that's an academy player though. He's already he was already world class. And I but think for me he'd been in a much better position if Pep hadn't have been there for me. Yeah. Because he'd actually played in the last two years, you know. Actually look at Greenwood, he's played so many games. If Foden would have had that same input when he was eighteen, he'd be one of the best players in the world right now for me. He's I, two years behind almost. I, I I do disagree, and I always say back to say Iniesta, for example, who was slowly brought into the Barcelona side. Yeah, but they've got Barcelona B. Yeah, yeah, he it's obviously he it's was obviously playing games. You no, know, Foden is Foden's sits. You know, he's he's a bench warmer half the time for you, which really will be impacting it's his development. It's sad to see. I don't know why he's never been loaned out. Like to another club within England, you know, you could loan him out to sort of a championship club and he'd play week in, week out, come back and he'd be twice the player he is now. Just from that experience of playing games, it would toughen him up, you know, improve him massively. It's hard, hard to say, but you, you can always look back at what you could have been done. But I, I, I think his slow progression as a midfield player, that's not naturally uh, strongest. I think... It's not. He's naturally progressed now into a player that is a uh, that can be a key player for us. So I'm yeah, happy. For me, for me, he should be a key player. For me, he should be one of the first names on the team sheet these days. I I, I, I I could not believe he did not bring him on against Liverpool. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I think he, he was, was big big game was screaming up right like the last five. Oh, no, he didn't no, bring him on. Scott knows because it dealt him in yeah. all fantasy. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I just couldn't believe what was happening. You thought, look, I, I put a message in the chat like 30 minutes ago. I was like, this game is crying out for Phil Foden. Yeah. It needs, he needs yeah. to come on. And yet, yeah. it's Pep stuck with Gundogan. I just, Pep with Gundogan, I just don't understand. He must have some something on him, like, because he plays every game. For me, he's, he's, he hasn't been good enough for at least two years now. And yet, he gets a picked every week with Foden sat on the bench. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I think he should have started. I, I do agree with that. I well, question a lot of his decisions. <laughs> yeah, as we've said all along, Pep out. <laughs> no, 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 no. No explanation, Mark. I think I, I think cool. you can say that he is is losing his uh, losing his marbles. <laughs> Lost them years ago. I disagree, but we'll, we'll see towards the end of the season. Wait, one final thing, Horan. Do you think there's a chance of getting Messi in January? Um, now that is the interesting question. I th- I Messi doesn't I think look happy, mate. That's what I'll say. He doesn't look happy at all. There's a chance, but I think there's there's always so much that gets in the way um, when these things happen. I I really don't know. I think with Ansu Fati out for four months at Barca yeah, as well, I think they're going to be really struggling for goals. I mean, their form's already not great. Ansu Fati's world-class. Uh, their best striker at the minute, in all honesty. Um, so I think he's going to be even more unhappy, to be honest. So I don't know how that will affect things and whether... I mean, Bartomeu can't hold him in prison anymore, so yeah. it's, hard, it's hard hard to say with him obviously being out of the club now. Yeah, it's very interesting for Man City. I think, Scott, you'll soon be hoping for a little push up the table towards uh, Leicester City, who sit top. And it's interesting, Dawes, you mentioned about a sign of champions, you know, getting those late goals, the 1-0 wins to, mm. to win the league. Look at Leicester's last few results, you know, beating Arsenal 1-0, Wolves mm. 1-0. Obviously, got a decent win over Leeds, but they're also fighting on multiple fronts. They've got, they've got the Europa League, which they're doing, doing well in as well. Yeah. I think we can't discount Leicester from the title race. No, 100%. I mean, Brendan Rodgers, for me, is a brilliant manager. Always has been. Um, he's very unlucky not to win the league with Liverpool. Obviously, Steven Gerrard bottled that, but he's he's defensively, he's so good. Obviously, they've got some great players at the back there. Justin's come in. I think he's been brilliant. They've got a very well-balanced midfield. And then they've got a striker in Jamie Vardy who scored goals for fun. Um, obviously, he scored the winner against Arsenal, scored the winner on the weekend against Wolves, even though he missed the other pen. But I just, I really like the way they play as well. They play some great football. And obviously, last year, they were brilliant up until February and then COVID hit. And then they, they never really got that momentum back again. Because um, I think at one point, they were like literally like 14 games unbeaten or something. But then they obviously fell apart. I don't know if they'll do that again this season, but mm. if they keep this form up, then yeah, they could easily get top four or, you know, who knows, with this, with the season being the way it is, they could even win the league. I think maybe it might be a bit early for this, but we are approaching the sort of quarter point of the season and I don't think we'll do another podcast before we get there. But 
I'd like to hear you boys have projected top four as, as we stand now. I think we did a similar thing in the summer, but how's that changed now? Obviously, you've got Leicester, Spurs, Liverpool, Southampton sitting there at the moment. Are those those are those the four teams that can hold those spots? Probably unlikely, but <laughs> Man City, Chelsea coming into the mix. Who's your predicted top four come the end of the season? So I mean, I, 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 I can't call it. I really before can't. The, before the season started, obviously before the transfer window ended, I had, I had a top four, but that's just been thrown out the window. I think. For, who who was that for context, Doors? Um, I had City winning the league, Chelsea second, Liverpool third, United fourth. Um, I don't think we've got a chance now and I think Spurs have taken our place and the order has changed. I think it'll be Spurs followed by Chelsea, followed by City, followed by Liverpool. No Leicester? No, they'll just miss out. I think this squad isn't deep enough, I think. You know, they've obviously got some great players and they have been struggling with injuries at the moment, but... Mm. One key injury to Jamie Vardy or something, then they were in big trouble. Yeah, I'm looking so back on, the, on my prediction. I put Chelsea, City, Liverpool, and United as my top four. I think, yeah, I think United are gone, and yeah. I think I'd probably put Leicester and Spurs in there. It's for me, it's whether City wow. can can catch up. I think City could. They're in danger of missing out on top four right right now. They just they just not look like the Man City we all know and love. I don't I wouldn't say love, no, but very few people love them. You need fans for that. Yeah. <laughs> but um I it is a tough question. I think for me I think top five for me is quite easy no, to say. No, no, no. No, 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 not copping out. I I will say what I'm saying is I think this five will be a ahead of six and onwards um by a few points, but I think Leicester drop out of that top four just like Dorsey said. I think I, I, I back City to do it. I think it's probably hope as much as anything as well, but I think we generally haven't seen the best of City yet. And I think our defence will be able to um, deliver us key results. I think following them, Spurs are looking brilliant at the minute. And but I do think, you think City to win the league? I, I think I think City can still win the league, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I think we haven't seen their best yet. I think their best is yet to come. Yeah, well, I, I hope so, mate, because you've been awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Defensively, no, but attackingly, yes. So I, I think we will get that back to some extent. But City, Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool is my yeah, top yeah. four. I, I think Chelsea are looking a really good team, especially as Ziyech. Incredible. Ziyech is a joke. <laughs> um, but even um, Silva at the back as well. He's real leader and he's brought... Um, well, and Mendy as well. They've really... Sort of get rid of Kepa, that's the main thing. <laughs> well, yeah, could put a cardboard box there and they would have... Uh, <laughs> um... But they're they're looking really good as well, and I think Liverpool with Van Dijk, I think that will. Obviously, recently they haven't missed him so much, but I think that will take its toll over time. Bobby, um, you got any thoughts? Arsenal obviously could could make a late charge. Only well, not on the same points as Man City. So if so, Scott thinks they can win the league, who knows? Yeah. Arsenal. So before the se- the um, before the season started, I think I had top four as Liverpool, City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. I had down for it. But, you know, we started the season off well. We, we had a good result at Community Shield against Liverpool. And I still would have backed us for top four if it wasn't for the Aston Villa results. Because, wow. okay. obviously, Liverpool and City... You have were... four defeats so far, mate. I know, but... Li... That's pretty grim. <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. But Liverpool away and City away... I don't think anyone backed us going into those games. Yeah. Leicester, you could have dismissed as a one-off. We'd had a great result away from home against United, but after after the game against Villa, I have serious doubts over us. I I think we maybe lack we we still lack that consistency. We might need for top four. I don't think it's it's gone by any chance by any measure of yeah. it yet. Because we have had we've had three of the big six so far already, um, and we're only eight games in. So. I, think, I think personally, Arsenal have got a better chance than Man City. I feel like <laughs> oh, the, the Villa, Villa game aside, well, I mean, obviously the Villa was it was a poor performance, and three 0 loss was pretty heavy for Arsenal. But apart from that, I feel like they've played very well, and like you say, the losses have come against tough opponents. 
Whereas City just they don't look convincing. It just they don't look like they can score the goals they used to score. And and I, I said, but we said before, Pep just seems to be all over the place, just clueless of what he's doing. Whereas Arsenal, at least they're coherent. And yeah, I'm not saying they will make the top four, but I feel like they're going to finish above City this year. Wow, bold prediction. I mean, I, obviously we were, we're discussing Aston Villa a lot there as well, but for me, they've got they've got a chance as well. You know, obviously me and me and Mid have put ten pound on them winning the league, but <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's a bit too far out of reach. But if they can win the game in hand, they go top. And for me, they're playing great football. Already beating Liverpool, already beating Arsenal. They beat Liverpool they, seven nil. Yeah, seven two. Seven two. It was. It's, um, yeah, they they're getting some good big players, results. And I think yeah, they, they for me could have they they could surprise one of us. They could surprise us and finish in that top four or even win the league. Much to me and Mid's <laughs> amazement, <laughs> we'd be, yeah. we make yeah. a lot of money on that. But Villa. I mean, I, I, one one name we haven't discussed as well is, is Everton. I mean, literally three or four weeks ago, he was saying they're title challengers. Suddenly they're in none of our top fours it just shows the last three games three defeats I mean yeah, they won that first four and then a draw and three losses <laughs> yeah what, what's, what's, what's going wrong there obviously Richarlison's been missing but I think Hammer's missed a couple of matches as well Hammer's missed a few as well but even the, you know I don't know what's happened to them obviously we know Pickford's useless but <laughs> they've gone downhill but maybe they can have another resurgence who knows but I love how unpredictable it is. I really do love it. Yeah, it certainly is a super interesting Premier League this season. Uh, and of course, you've been able to watch it all so far, uh, well, up to the end of October or up to the end of September, sorry, on uh, BT, Sky, Amazon and BBC. And then, of course, there was that little debacle with the pay-per-view and £15 a game. We discussed it on the uh, on the show a couple of weeks back. But it's been rumours now that's been done away with for the, the next sort of round of matches that... Obviously, it didn't attract many subscribers. I think we had Matt Mustel on the, on the show last week, who had an insider from the uh, from the Premier League statistics, and uh, suggesting that only sixty people bought uh, a pass for, for one of the matches, which is pretty shambolic. Um, what, what do you think uh, the, the the new model will be? Will all the matches go straight back to Sky and, and BT and etc., or will there be some sort of new lower price pay per view option? I think it'll be Sky and BT getting all the games again. Um, I think the chief of the Premier League's come out and said it's clearly not working. Um, and it sounds like they're just scrapping the whole pay-per-view system. So mm. from the sounds of things, it's it should be good news for fans, you know, having all access to all those games with the Sky Sports and BT subscription like it should be for me. Obviously, the fact that we can't go into stadiums and yet we still have to pay £14.95p to watch our team every week is an absolute joke on top of the Sky subscription, which is £60 plus the BT. So I think the fans have won, I guess. You know, obviously there's been a lot of sort of boycotts of the pay-per-view and donating to charity instead, which has obviously been amazing work from clubs all across the all across the country. I think it's really put pressure on the sort of chiefs in charge of the Premier League. And thankfully it seems to have worked and they've scrapped the idea. I think what's, what's interesting, you say the fans have won their doors, but in a way, this is only going to put money back in the pocket, pockets of Sky and BT. And I don't know if that's the fans winning. You know, we had a way of the pay-per-view was directly funding the clubs. You know, the money was going to the Premier League and into the, into the prize pot directly, whereas this money's got to go through Sky, through BT, which I think we'd all agree, have, have, you know, got too much money and, and too much influence in the game. Yeah. What, yeah, what, I, I, yeah. I see what I see what you're saying with that, but you know, if if the the pay per view numbers are as bad as what's rumoured, then there's hardly any money going to the clubs anyway. So yeah, yeah, you know, it, and to annoy that, you know, if you're paying 15 quid a week on top of your subscription, it's an absolute joke, you mm. know. So, mm. well, I also wanted to ask what what this sort of failure of the pay per view means for the future of Premflix, as we discussed a few months back. Uh, we might remember probably when we were back in the studio around a year ago, actually. There was a sort of mooted idea of uh, all Premier League matches being pay-per-view, or at least on some sort of central Premier League subscription. Do you, th- do you think that's still a possibility, or has the sort of you know this pay-per-view idea sort of thrown that out of the window now? I think it's still a possibility because I think it's it's something that you know fans want. I think it's 
it, the the main issues lie in that the sheer cost of you know the Sky Productions and the BTs and the Amazons. I I just don't think you'd, you'd potentially get the same quality whilst keeping it at a, at an affordable price point, because yeah, yeah. at the moment English fans get ripped off compared to other countries. Um, yes. You know, you look at what sort of fans in America or Spain or Canada pay. I know in Canada they pay fifteen pounds a month equivalent to have every single Premier League game, including three uh, pm kickoffs. You know, and you you won't you get you can't even get Sky for that. You get a quarter of a Sky subscription for that much money. <laughs> so the fans in England definitely get ripped off there, and I don't think they that you truly get value for money. So I think moving to a Premflix style thing would definitely give fans much more power and control and improve the quality of it. Yeah. The only, I think I brought this up last year, the only sort of concern I'd have is the production value of a Premflix sort of thing. Would they, I mean, for me, I've won love the build-up to the game, watching all the pundits in the in the studio discussing stuff, and then for hours after the game, still going into it, and Monday Night Football, and all the intros they do, all the montages they do that, you know, Sky are amazing at. Yes, it's a lot of money, but I guess you do get that production quality, whereas I think a Prem Flix would just be, the game comes on at 3pm, and then as soon as it finishes, that's it sort of thing. I wouldn't want it to sort of be like that, which is what it is for like La Liga at the moment. We have to watch Premier Player. It basically starts at 3pm and then as soon as the game's finished, that's it. Um, so I think you'd miss out on on that production, which I'm, I'm a sucker for, I guess. You know, I love, love, love the analysis and the punditry. Um, so I think if you could get that on, on that sort of Premflix thing, it would be amazing. But I can't see Sky letting... Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher, etc. You know, people on huge money sort of go to those subscription services, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. it'd be an interesting one. I mean, yeah, we'll uh, certainly see. Go on, Rod. I was going to say, if you know, all the games are that are from now on on the Premflix thing, then it would sort of almost kill off Sky and BT, and then they'd have to let the top talent go over to it. Yeah, I think that was the idea that it would be when the next yeah. um, the broadcast deal comes out, I think it's either the end of this year or end of next year, that instead of renewing it with Sky and BT, they'd look to take, so take it in-house to the Premier League. So yeah, potentially there'd be the opportunity for those pundits to come across. Yeah, yeah, because they could then have sort of one production team for, in essence, the whole of the English-speaking world, you know, um, and instead of selling the rights out to each individual country who then employ their own punditry team and commentators and such for the match, you just have that 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 Premier League run team of pundits and commentators, which would massively drive down the co- production costs, allowing them to still maintain that quality. Mm. Yeah, so it's certainly an interesting prospect. Uh, I'm sure uh, if they do need some uh, cheap production quality, they can... <laughs> Give us, give us a call on. I think it's all over. I was going to say, I'd be more than welcome to do, yeah. <laughs> do any of that. Who said anything about cheap? All right, Rod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just because you're a SRA nominee, no? Yeah, we all are. We all are. Premium content. Um, moving on then to this week's football action. Obviously, we've got the international break coming up. Uh, I guess the biggest uh, headline from the England squad was that Mason Greenwood was left out again. Um, obviously, uh, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood, obviously a bit of a misdemeanor out in Iceland in uh, a couple of previous uh, in international breaks, two, like, international break two times ago. And uh, in the last break, they were both left out. But this time, Foden returns, but Greenwood's still not in the squad. What's the story there, Dawes? Is it, is it, why has he not come back into the fold? Um, I mean... You know my views on Gareth Southgate. I think he's a joke of a manager. So I, I'm I, obviously Greenwood's not started the season as well as he sort of ended last season. Obviously, he's had a lot of things going on off the pitch, and obviously, you know, he lost one of his best mates recently, unfortunately, um, which was sad for him. Um, I think he's not having his, his best season on the pitch at the moment. But you know, some of the inclusions in the England squad just baffle me every time. Southgate's a clown. I think we all know that. Um, but for some, for me, I'm very happy that he's not in the squad because I'd rather him 
stay with the players that we've got. Obviously, Wambasaka's not on the squad either, so that's good. Keep the players. I'm almost sort of becoming Fergie, where he just didn't like people going off on international breaks. <laughs> sort of having, giving Ollie a few weeks with these boys. And I think you flatter yourself a bit towards thinking that you're becoming in Fergie. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what I mean? I had the same sort of, I can see what Fergie was talking about all these years where he stopped players going on international breaks because. I mean, for me, the international, you know, some of these international games coming up for England are just pointless. You know, obviously it's the Nations League and all that crap, but, you know, I'd much rather Greenwood have two weeks under his belt, training every week with the players that we've got left and sort of building up his, his game rather than flying out to Iceland and playing a useless game, you know. So, mm. I, 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 obviously it's disappointing that, you know, we should have representation at all, sort of, all, at all levels in the country, but... I'm I'm quite happy that he's been left out this time. Interesting. Well, obviously the other news was that uh, given the new Denmark travel ban after coronavirus has jumped into a different species in mink and mutated, um, that there's a possibility uh, that Iceland may not be able to come to play England in their sort of second Nations League match of, of the round. Um, and I was reading yesterday that that may mean that England have to forfeit the match if they're unable to, to sort out the travel restrictions with the government. Um, I mean, what, what, what could that mean for England's Nations League campaign? Because they're not looking too good anyway in the league table. No, it'd be very... Um, I, I get that they have to follow, uh, I suppose, the government's laws and stuff, but it's uh, it doesn't leave us in a good place because going away to Belgium, that's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, Iceland just never seemed to be easy to play anyway, but... Um, if we have to forfeit the loss to them, then it's going to leave us a little bit flat. I mean, I don't, I don't know what happens uh, if we finish third or fourth in the league. I mean, fourth get relegated, right? yeah. 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 Here we go yeah, to League so, B. I mean, that 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 won't happen because Iceland are on zero points, so we're fine for that. But obviously, it'd be disappointing not to get to the final tournament, uh, which we did last time. Um, it is still very tight in the table, only two points behind Belgium, but. Yeah, don't don't play against Iceland. We're not going to get there simply, and I suppose we just have to take that on the chin. Yeah, it's uh, certainly a bit worrying for England at the moment. But looking elsewhere around the home nations, uh, Northern Ireland and Scotland both have playoffs for Euro twenty twenty or Euro twenty twenty one, whatever you want to call it, uh, coming up on Thursday. Uh, would you like to see both of those teams make the Euros next year, lads? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, I to think see them. Um, obviously some like Scotland and like Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, we don't see them in these competitions as often. So I suppose given they're all so close to homes for us, um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see see some of them out there. Will you be rooting for Scotland, Hiron? Obviously, half yeah. Scottish. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, for football, I'd, uh, it's always different for football <laughs> and rugby, but. Um, I'll be having an eye on the, on the Scotland game for sure. I'll be more interested on England, obviously. But um, yeah, I hope they do get the win. And I think that means they'll go into the playoff final, is it? No, this is, this is the final. So Scotland, Scotland, the travel, final. Scotland travel to Serbia uh, in their final, which is a League C final from the previous Nations League. And uh, Northern Ireland have got Slovakia at Windsor Park, which is the League B final. Um, so yeah, if they win both of those matches, then... Uh, or the matches respectively, then they'll both be in the tournament next year. Yeah, no, that'd be um, that'd be good for, to see for both of the teams. I, I saw as well that the um, I think they're supposed to be on Sky, but I think they've put them on for free. So you got Sky Pick, and I think oh, wow. there's another yeah, channel good. as well which is showing them for free. So that's going to be good for uh, Scotland fans and um, the Irish fans as well. So at least they don't have, if they don't have the subscription, well. They can see their team hopefully uh, make the final tournament, oh, which would be great for that's them. That's actually class because I know aren't pubs closed still in Scotland as well, so they won't be able to go to that. Yeah, that's it. So if you don't have that, that's the thing. If you don't have the subscriptions, so apart from it illegally, yeah. I don't know how you're supposed to watch them. Yeah. These, yeah. <laughs> so uh, good to see. Yeah, and uh, for Wales, they face um, USA in a friendly, and then Republic of Ireland and Finland in their final two Nations League matches. I think Wales. Expect to top the group there with with, uh, with a couple of wins. I think really we don't expect anything less. But obviously, uh, Ryan Giggs has been involved in um, a bit of interest lately, uh, and he's not going to be in charge for those 
two matches. Dawes, what, what's your take on, on what's happened in, in the Wales management camp? So, yeah, I mean, obviously the allegations are very, very serious against him. And if they are, you know, if they do turn out to be true, then it's obviously an absolute disgrace and he should never step foot on the sidelines again for Wales. Um, obviously, the allegations initially came from the scum newspaper, so I was all a bit hesitant, but obviously the, the next day it all, it all broke it across all channels. And yeah, obviously he's not going to be for the next few games. And I mean, I don't really know what's going to happen, but all I know is that he is, he is a disgrace if, the, if these sort of allegations are true. So I can't see him managing Wales again. Oh, I mean, we all know that they're an absolute scum newspaper. You know, they've made up so much nonsense stories throughout the years. And if it, if it does, if it is not true again, then they've done it again. You know, how they keep getting away with all this. For me, the, the editors should be locked up. You know, they get away with so much every single season. Basically, write what they want. Um, it's an absolute joke. But unfortunately, that's that's the way the British press is. They seem to love to get people down, but... Obviously, if these allegations are true, then yeah, it's it's a joke, and he shouldn't ever manage Wales again, or anyone else. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, he shouldn't, he, well, he shouldn't be involved in football ever again, really. No, I think uh, innocent until proven guilty, at least. Yeah, so of course. We'll, uh, yeah, no one, we'll, no one we'll knows the story, see. and you know, obviously, no yeah, one knows. We'll the wait and see what the outcome is. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, something actually we touched on on the last episode, talking about the upcoming Euros and the potential of it being cancelled or done in a different form. I think I did read a few weeks ago now that they're considering doing it all in one place, and that place being Russia. Um, oh, no. <laughs> certainly interesting, given Russia held the, the last World Cup, um, and obviously allegations of corruption thrown around immediately with uh, Ru- Russia's past. Uh, will you boys be flying out to Russia if uh, the Euros are held there next summer? <laughs> Think no. Likely. <laughs> no. <laughs> no chance. To put it simply. Yeah. No. All right. Well, that that settles that one. Then, like, so I think I, I think, think you know we'd all get we'd all get beaten up by the Russian fans. Really, sort sort yeah, they or do. Or England lot would definitely. You two, yeah. yeah. You English lads would yeah. be in big trouble. Yeah. After you try and wage war on them in in France <laughs> in 2016, <laughs> you make it sound like we were leading from the front. <laughs> like, we were yeah, watching it. Was it you two, boys. It was you two. Yeah, we I mean, was there. Yeah. He's hooligan number one. Still got some yeah. chairs from France ready to bring over to Russia. So he <laughs> no. bikes. You fished out the canal as well, Scott. Yeah, yeah, plenty going on. Uh, just love the sink at them. Love uh, the sink. All right, boys. I think on that note, we'll uh, wrap up the show. Thanks very much for the three of you being on once again, and thanks very much to you at home for listening. Uh, this has been the think It's all over. And it is now.